This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? Good evening. Welcome to Hawthorne. I'm Julian Slowick, and tonight it'll be our pleasure to feed you. Over the next few hours, you will ingest fat, salt, sugar, protein, bacteria, fungi, various plants and animals, and at times, entire ecosystems. But I have to beg of you one thing. It's just one. Do not eat, taste, savor, relish. Consider every morsel that you place inside your mouth. Be mindful, but do not eat. Our menu is too precious for that. Good evening. You are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And if you've seen the menu, uh, then you know that starting with a clap um, signifies something. If you haven't seen it, I apologize. I'm sorry if that startled you. Um, this is actually, I'm very excited to talk about this film. We are discussing the menu, which we're categorizing as a stuff we missed because we didn't manage to get to it in its initial cinema run, um, but it just dropped on Disney+. Plus. I hesitated because I was Googling it um, before we came on air and guys, it is still actually in cinemas. Oh, well, oh, wow. lucky you then. You can actually go catch it if it's playing in your area. Well, it's playing in one cinema, but um, I, I will leave it to... <laughs> if, if you're keen after listening to us, you can Google and check it out. But yeah, apparently one cinema still playing it. Anyway. I want to start every meal I serve with a creepy clap. Like that's what I've emerged from A strong from clap, yeah. A strong mm-hmm. clap. I am also honestly a little bit ashamed of how attacked I felt by this movie Um, and I feel like I'm both simultaneously the kind of person who says mouthfeel but now I'm ashamed I say mouthfeel. This (laughs) this movie is one of those that um, it reminds me of the kind of film you used to get on DVD and never came to cinemas right because it's kind of weird and dark and um, very left field but also has this veneer of prestige Um, I love this a lot. Um, I think there are things about it that doesn't quite reach the height that it sets out to do. Um, but it doesn't matter because it's such an interesting watch. Yeah, I, I feel like this movie has made itself kind of uh, review proof in a way because there's nothing there's nothing you can say about it without sounding like a Tyler or a Lillian <laughs> or a Margot. Yes. Um, or a Sloic comple- at worst. Or, or a Sloic, um, which is completely out of context for people who haven't seen the movie. But if you have, then you know what I'm what I'm talking about, right? Um, but no, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, it's so much fun. And I think uh, the best way to consume this movie is by knowing as, as, as little as possible about it. Um, because I hadn't seen trailers before watching this. I barely knew who was starring in it. So it was a surprise to see so many like familiar faces show up. Um, and I think that element of surprise worked so well, like so, so well for me. Um, because for the longest time, I thought this was a drama. 
I thought this was that's what this movie was going for. Um, did you guys see the trailers? Like, did the suspense work for you? I Were did, you and I, I'm actually a little sad that I did because the trailer mm. gives away too much, and I watched it in the cinema, so I couldn't like not watch. Um, they should have done a much simpler trailer. So I right. didn't watch the trailer, um, and. I did, however, look it up prior to us talking about wanting to do it. And um, I was very intrigued by the fact that nobody could land a, a generic description of the film in that, um, depending on where you read about it, you either get people saying it's a horror comedy or you get people saying it's a dark comedy or a horror thriller. And um, I think that that kind of uncertainty suits the film um, because... I agree with both of you. The the less you know, the better. So I will just say then that um, the film hinges on a singular premise, which is a bunch of people. It's a locked box movie. So a bunch of people have been are going to an island for an exclusive meal, Hawthorne, as you heard there, um, served by one of the world's best chefs. And the night simply does not go according to plan. Um, but that becomes actually very clear. Um, it, it the, the weirdness of the film is infinitely clear from the moment you meet Hong Chao's character, Elsa. Um, and, and that's very early on. And you start to go like, oh, I see. I see, you know, and so I think you get a pretty good sense in the first, I want to say 10 minutes as to whether or not this film is for you. I think it would be for most um, enjoyers of cinema, though, in the sense that for me, it was an incredibly satisfying watch. It packs a lot into its relatively short storytelling time. Um it's perfectly paced because it's timed like a meal and therefore you, you get that sensation. There's a lot about it that I really liked. So it's um, all of those things. I think also the reason people are finding it difficult to put in a, a category or a box is that it it doesn't really take itself seriously. It's a very serious movie that also knows that it's kind of poking fun, not just at this whole um, haute cuisine world that it's tearing apart, but even this notion of uh, philosophy and, and the subtexts and all of that. Right? It's, it's not taking itself seriously, which makes it a little quite fun, but also very difficult to categorize. And so much about the movie, including um, Elsa, played by Hong Chao, uh, Slowick himself, the fact that text pops up on the screen to kind of um, tell you what the next item on the menu is, the way things are shot, like those super serious um, chef shows are shot. It all feels very artificial and the movie doesn't hide it. It's trying to be artificial. Um, so again, that's why movie lovers will like this, right? Because there's a lot of the quote-unquote art of filmmaking going on here. Um, but it's all very, very enjoyable because the fact that it doesn't take itself seriously means that you can kind of laugh along with some of this. Mm. And and I, and I don't think the menu is really that unique or unorthodox, right? Um, because I'm seeing it show up in a lot of uh, best-of lists and being called uh, such a unique film and such a different film. But... I think there have been a bunch of movies that are almost exactly like the menu in terms of plot and theme and genre. Um, like, have you guys seen The Hunt? Because this reminded me so much of, of The Hunt, which is also like a really good movie. Yes, it also reminded me, um, just in terms of tone, uh, 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 of uh, that French movie, Delicatessen. Um, so mm. there, there are lots of movies that have this vibe. 
They have this vibe. If I had to choose, right, I would say The Hunt is a more enjoyable movie. The menu has better characters if it was like a versus thing. But but what, what I'm trying to say is like the menu is really fun and enjoyable, but it's being marketed as like an awards push, uh, like this prestige project. And I don't think it is. Um, if, if anything, I think it's a commentary on prestige projects, but it's at the core, it's so ridiculously simple. Like it's a very straightforward A to Z sort of story. It, it is. Um, it's interesting that you bring up the the hunt because there is, of course, that political commentary element of it, right? That mm. social satire element. Um, and depending on, I guess, who you like seeing skewered, that might also depend, uh, that, or rather that might also inform which movie you like better. I think I want to go back, though, to that point that uh, Sharmila started off with, which is that sense of being attacked. Um, because if you like food, and if you yourself uh, frequently watch your chef's tables and your what have you, then you are going to watch this and recognize, you know, yourself. Uh, you may also recognize characters or, or p- real people who speak this way about food. Um, and if you're a foodie, I think that I'm not sure that the stuff about um, about richness always always lands. I think that it is sharp and incisive, but it's not always as sharp as it needs to be to really hurt. Uh, the stuff about food, though, <laughs> I think that if you are someone who follows along, uh, follows the food world in in any sense at all, whether casually or otherwise, um, especially fine dining, then this one will will land. This one will slap you in the face and then go, "You're laughing too, right? Ha ha, loser!" Like that. <laughs> Uh, that's exactly the voice in my head watching the movie. Um, it actually does a better job making fun of people who are more about showing off the experience than experiencing it. Um, I think it does then that tasting. really. Then tasting, <laughs> that's right. Um, the Nicholas Holt character, Tyler, um, of course, is meant to be quite emblematic because you never really know whether he's all that well off, not like some of the others that are in the in the film. Uh, but they, you recognize his type, right? The one who wants to document everything, the one who has Googled every ingredient who knows everything about the chef um, and so you do recognize the type and and perhaps you might see parts of yourself in it I know I certainly did because I enjoy um, food a lot I enjoy the dining out experience a lot so I part of me was like oh do I really want to Instagram my next meal now I feel a little bit like I've been shown up by this movie but it also works for other industries as well, right? Because I was I was comparing it with other, like exactly what we are doing now for the movie. Like it also works for like movie reviews, uh, people who mm. I guess people who talk about or dissect anything that comes out, any form of entertainment, any form of pop culture, and then you look into it. Sometimes it's surface level, sometimes it's a bit too deep. Um, but yeah, the calling out, the calling out definitely <laughs> worked. Um, you can see a lot of what they're saying, and and the movie is a very angry movie. So mm. at times you're you're also like. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't. I didn't mean to say. <laughs> I didn't mean to have that thought. But yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it so much. It's worth saying um, that as we draw comparisons, the closest probably is to Succession. Um, partly because it shares mm. a lot of maker DNA with Succession. Um, it is produced by Adam McKay, Betsy Cock, Will Ferrell. Um, it was written by Seth Rice and Will Tracy, and it's directed by Mar- by Mark Mylod, uh, who has also worked on Succession. So I think that you can see that in some of the camera work and in some of the ways that it kind of enjoys luxury while also skewering it at the same time. Um, We're talking today about the menu, which is something that we missed when it was 
I'll just say widely available in cinemas. You can apparently still catch it. Um, but yes, it is also out on Disney+. Plus. Um, so when we spoke about best films of 2022, the menu came up an awful lot. Let us know, therefore, you know, have you watched it yet? Did you like it? What did you like about it? WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Break from mediocrity. BFM 89.9. What happens inside this room is meaningless compared to what happens outside. We are but a frightened nanosecond. Nature is timeless. What the hell is going on? I love you all. We love you too, sir! BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Shamila and Arvin. And together we're reviewing a film that we really enjoyed, The Menu, um, which is something that we missed in its original wide cinema run. It is now available, though, on streaming. Um, and I think, you know, we've heard Ray Fiennes in two separate clips today. He is the... He is the, the main... One of the main characters, I suppose, Chef Julian Slowick. He is part of a very, very good ensemble cast, but I thought we could start with him because, man, he's so good. He's so well cast and he's so precise in this. He's great. Um, just hearing him say sugar makes me never want to eat a dessert ever again. Um, but also he he really does seem to... There are parts in this movie where you need him to be human and, and he nails those parts. And then there are parts of this movie where you need to believe he's this sort of larger-than-life creepy figure. And he nails those parts as well. And I think more than anything... Um, there are times when you look at his face in that chef uh, outfit and you recognize that intensity in the eye that you see in a lot of real life chefs, um, a sort of weird obsession over the craft. And he completely nailed it. Um, and I did want to say he gets the humor as well, which is great. And it, it's like he has um, he has a good face, if that makes sense. <laughs> he, ha he has a face that's pleasant, right? Like Ray Fiennes doesn't look like outwardly sinister. Until you take evil. away the nose. And yeah, oh, until yes. you take away the nose. Um, but I'm just thinking like, you know, someone like an Anthony Hopkins in this role would have immediately been very <laughs> eerie or very sinister from the get-go. Um, and I like that. Like uh, like Shamila mentioned, you know, he had to be a bit human. You have to see like that that side of him. And that helped a lot. But he was like, oof, that was such a powerhouse performance. And he didn't, he didn't even do that much. Like he didn't even yell like he does in a bunch of movies. He just maintained like a monotonous tone throughout. And it was so, so good. I think you could tell also that he's enjoying himself. And sometimes there is something yes. to be said about mm. watching good actors flex. And that's what this felt like. It felt like a, a good actor knowing that this is a very meaty role. Um, a meaty role that you can serve on a branch with like a twig on top and then seaweed <laughs> that you collect from the sea and <laughs> dried out. You know, but but a really meaty role. And and I felt like he really enjoyed himself embodying that. Um, and then on the, the side of the diners... The, Everyone is so, so good. I enjoyed watching all of them, even as I, I, I hated them. Um, you know, Nicholas Holt, we've mentioned already, and he does he does this particular creepy role, such great justice. It's wonderful. Uh, Judith Light and how tremulous she is the whole time. Uh, John Leguizamo being a character <laughs> is, you know, so enjoyable. Actually, honestly, I don't know why John Leguizamo is in this film. It's almost like I just want to hang out with I, some I, friends. But, you know, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean. True, true. There's some meta-ness there that yes, I won't get into. a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
Anya Taylor-Joy, who I guess other than um, Rafe Fiennes is the second most um, quote-unquote important character, one could say, the one that um, the story kind of is most mysterious about. And hinges um, on. And hinges on. Um, she's really good and she's really good. So the balancing act she does is that she's really good without you needing to like her. Um, I didn't come away from the film necessarily liking her any more than anyone else in the film. But I do love the perspective that we get into the movie through her and the way she, her interactions with all the other characters as well. She was really, really good. Also, every time I think like Anya Taylor-Joy is going to do the same thing that she did in the previous movie, she does something completely different. Um, like she's always Anya Taylor-Joy. But she always brings like a new element to that performance in every other movie that I see. And this movie was no different, right? We've seen like a bunch of Anya Taylor-Joy things in the last year. Um, but this was fresh. Like every time I think she's going to be the same old, same old, she's she's always like, she's always new. And, and that's like pretty nice. I think a lot of this also has to do with the, the writing. Again, uh, Seth Rice and Will Tracy. And it's based on an original story as well, which um, can I just say I love because we've talked before about how it sometimes feels as if everything in Hollywood is like an IP arms race or an adaptation arms race. And it's nice to see people kind of just doing an original story, having an idea and thinking, hey, let's flesh it out. What would happen if, if we did it this way? And um, the writing, I thought, was pretty sharp throughout. Um, there, there are little kind of unsettling moments. Uh, Arvin, earlier you mentioned good characters. And I think that it's, it's a treat to be able to get a sense of who these people are as individuals within an hour 47 runtime. And you have um, dining room scenes in which people are talking at the same time, talking over one another. There are separate conversations going on. And I think it's to the writing's credit that A, you can catch all of that, uh, but also that each conversation feels important and also feels dis uh, distinct. Uh, I think to add on to that, I love how the film looks and how the oh, yeah. staging of this whole dining area, the rest of the island. Uh, firstly, it is just great set pieces and, and location. But I think the, the way the camera work then integrates it, the way the preparation of the meal is shot, uh, the way the presenting of the food. Um, and then, as you said, Lynn, the way each snippet of conversation, you you get to see just a little bit of each person and just enough to know what exactly what kind of person they are. Um, I think there's so much about this movie that's so well made and well thought out. Yeah, and I love the way that the movie portrays like ultra fine dining and the people around it. Um, in such a funny, somewhat comedic way, but also it, it is really good commentary, right? Because we've read uh, so many accounts of people who work in the, the food industry and especially the fine dining section of it. Um, and it's insanely difficult, like, like the skill it requires, the time it takes. Um, people have had like full-blown nervous breakdowns because of the stressful environments, because of the perfection that it needs. Um, so I love that it, it used all those elements from real life to tell this very weird, very angry story about people uh, who enable and disable the workers in that field. I, I thought that was really smart. It, it could have gone like full-blown dark comedy, but it also had a lot to... The movie has a lot to say. As simple as it is, it has a lot to say. It gets to the point, um, and I think... I just wanted to mention this because while talking about this, it, it kind of, I'm worried we're not emphasizing enough that it's really funny. Um, so it doesn't go mm. full blown. It, it never goes full blown horror. 
uh, it never goes full-blown comedy. Um, and it, it kind of balances on that knife's edge really, really well. But there were times that I laughed out loud, especially towards the end when it all starts to go increasingly unhinged, when things start to get, you know, when things go places, you thought they might go there, but you weren't sure and then they do. And there's, there's like a perverse satisfaction in watching it all play out in this very extreme way. Um, and I found it very funny. I, I don't know if, I don't know what that says about me or what, you know, 2022 did to me. I'm not sure. But, um, but I found this movie really funny and somewhat cathartic. Oh, I found this really funny as well. Um, even right not cathartic. Up to the, say it. Say cathartic. I, I will not say cathartic. <laughs> I've already said mouthfeel. I think I've hit, uh, hit the wall. Um, it, even right up to the over-the-top dramatic, frankly disturbing end. Mm. There's always a, a, an undertone of humor that I deeply enjoyed. I deeply enjoyed also. And I think it it happens after the halfway mark for very specific reasons. Like in the first half of the movie, you're like, oh my God, what is happening? But then the, the second half of the movie, you're like, okay, okay, I understand. And then it gets very, very fun. So we've been talking today about The Menu, um, which was directed by Mark Mylod, um, and it's excellent. Uh, it's available now on streaming. Kind of sad to have missed it on the big screen. I think it would have been a really, really nice one to watch. Anyway, let us know, have you seen it yet? Uh, or do you plan to perhaps? And what did you make of it? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.